Well, hey, everybody, Dave DeBow back with another episode. And today, zooming in from beautiful Calgary, Alberta, we've got a full-time real estate entrepreneur, Jared Como, who focuses on wholesaling deals. So that's what we're going to be chatting about here today. So, Jared, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Thanks for having me, Dave. I appreciate it. My pleasure. So, Jared, how tell us it, the the suggested title that you had for our talk here today kind of definitely piqued my curiosity. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you got into this wild and wonderful world of real estate and why you're focusing on wholesaling? Yeah, absolutely. So my story starts back in 2019. In January of 2019, I kind of came to a a crossroads. Um, I was young. I was really dumb with credit. You know, I turned it, I turned 18. I suddenly got five or six credit card applications in the mail. And I took one. Next thing I know, I'm maxed out. And I kept borrowing from Paul to pay Peter hmm. for the better part of 10 years. Wow. Thinking, oh, I'll be able to dig myself out. I'll be able to dig myself out all while working in a kitchen. Um, right. That that didn't happen. Um, so in January 2019, Dave, I had to make a really tough decision. Yeah. And that tough decision was to file for a consumer proposal. Mm. Now, for people who don't know what a consumer proposal is, it's basically bankruptcy light, right? It's, it's. I mean, it still hits you just as hard. Yeah, um, I, I, I've almost heard it's like bankruptcy worse. Um, but you maybe tell us briefly what, what the difference is between yeah, a consumer so, proposal and a bankruptcy. Absolutely. So with a bankruptcy, um, the only real difference between the two is the amount that A, you have to pay back to your creditors and B, the the, um, the expediency of it. Okay. So for bankruptcy, you only have about 18 months, I believe. It's been a few years since I went through this with the uh, with the individual, but I think you have about 18 months to pay back somewhere in the realm of 8 to 11% of what you owe. Whereas a consumer proposal, you're looking at still owing about 20%, 20 to 25% of what you owe, but you are able to spread that out over five years. Okay. Now, now once you uh, are finished paying off your, your bankruptcy, it stays on your credit for, I believe, five years. I believe. Don't quote me. Mm-hmm. Um, and on a consumer proposal, it'll stay on your on your credit for three years after you're done paying it. So in the grand scheme of things, it's the same length, same amount of time. It just depends. Consumer proposal allows you to make smaller payments. It's a lot more manageable for people. Got it. Yeah. Got it. All right. Thanks for thanks for explaining that. That must have been, I'm just imagining, because I mean, we've, I shouldn't say we've all been, but I've definitely been through financial highs and financial lows and, you know, through divorces and whatnot been teetering on the edge of, of bankruptcy and, and definitely looking at that. I remember how stressful that was. And I can only imagine you kind of carrying that stress for, for 10 years before you just finally decided you need to get some help that, that must've been eating you up. And then how did you feel once, once you kind of came to that conclusion and had a plan and a way out? Well, you know, I thought for sure, um, it was, it was going to be way, I mean, it's, it weighed on me, yeah. but it was like a massive weight was taken off my shoulders. 
Um, you know, for 10 years, it was sleepless nights. Who am I going to pay this month? Who am I not going to pay this month? As soon as I, I ended up filing that in, in January of 2019, it was, oh, okay. It's a fresh start. Yeah. How do I make sure that I never find myself in this position ever again? Exactly. All right. So there you go. You got the fresh start. How did that turn into real estate investing or had you been doing some of that prior to all of this? I wasn't. Uh, I actually had a friend of mine who kept throwing out those little feelers. Uh, you know, have you guys ever thought of investing in real estate or the stock market? And for the longest time, because I was I was in a hole, I just think, no, it's, I, I can't afford to do any of that. Now I could, all of a sudden, I could start thinking of stuff like that putting money in the stock market or an RSP or eventually real estate. Right. And there was just this one moment where he mentioned real estate and it really caught on. It really grabbed me. And that's when I started listening to bigger pockets. Uh, I started following yourself. I started following a whole bunch of other people and really immersing myself in the industry, in the, all the different Facebook groups. And, and that's when my mentor found me. Um, my mentor reached out to me and was like, Hey, you have it. You have what it takes to become successful in real estate. You're nice. personable, you're high energy, you're, you're intelligent. Why don't I'll take you under my wing and I will teach you everything I know so that you can become successful. So that's when I got on with my, with my mentor. I don't know if you allow name droppings or not, but. <laughs> yeah, sure. Maybe do I, maybe small world, but I probably know. Reed, Reed Hillier. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. I just interviewed him a few weeks ago. So yeah. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he, Wayne reached out to me in August of 2019. And that was after I'd been really immersing myself, really throwing myself into everything. Mm -hmm. And I went to his very first uh, cabin retreat is what he called them. And from there on, we kind of decided, okay, what is the best strategy for you? You, you, you have zero, uh, bar you have no borrowing power whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't have any capital to your name. Wholesaling. Right. That is the best way that I can suggest to anybody who is in a situation that I was in where, where there's, I, I can't get a mortgage. I can't, I have no capital wholesaling. You know, once you get a little bit more deeper into wholesaling it does cost a little bit of money for marketing and flyers and all that kind of stuff. But if you're starting from the very bottom with $0 in your pocket, you're out knocking on doors, you're putting up bandit signs, you're putting these little flyers in people's house mailboxes. That costs you $0. Yeah. All it costs is your time. You know, I, I chuckled, Jared, because I'm not sure if, if you know it or not, but back in 2003, a hell of a long time ago now, when I first came back to Canada after leave, living overseas for 13, 14 years, I didn't have bad credit. I just had zero credit, which yeah. is just as bad <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, no job self-employed not much money because i hadn't been able to sell my my company in costa rica so you know i got the real estate bug as well and um not so much because because what i heard about was creative deals which wholesaling kind of is but it was all about you know low money no money down type deals and exactly you become very very creative 
when your back's against the wall. So, yeah. So tell us, okay. So, so you heard about wholesaling. What did your first steps into that world look like? So the first steps into wholesaling was first, I kind of needed to put together a, a playbook. Yeah. How do you wholesale? So it was a lot of researching because I had no idea what wholesaling was when I decided that's what okay, I Well, needed. let's start there. Maybe give, give us your definition of what wholesaling means. Yeah, sure. So wholesaling is buying properties that are under market value, that need a little bit of work. Typically, for the most part, if you're wholesaling, your, your ultimate buyers are going to be flippers. Um it's 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 really difficult to wholesale a turnkey uh, yeah. rental property because if if somebody wants a turnkey rental, they're just going to go on the MLS, right? Mm -hmm. um, so but you're not actually buying them, right? You're you're getting them under contract. That's right? you are not buying these houses. You are right. like you said, you're going to a seller who has reached out to you or you've reached out to them, and they've expressed an interest in selling their property. And whether they don't like realtors, whether they have no equity in their house to pay a realtor, uh, some people are just embarrassed in, of, of the, 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 their house, what it looks like. So I'll come in there and, you know, no, I don't, I've seen it all, Dave. Like I've walked into a house where my face is melting because of cat urine smell, right? It smells uh, like money. That <laughs> smells like money. That's right. <laughs> so it's, you're getting those properties under contract. Yeah. And once you have that property under contract, you find what I call an ultimate buyer. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I learned that term from Barry, Barry McGuire, um, from the ultimate buyer who is going to end up uh, taking the assignment of that contract. So I'm assigning my buyer's rights to this uh, ultimate buyer to this flipper or other investor, right? Because a lot of the times these flippers, they don't have time to go and source their own projects, right? They've got seven, eight, nine on the go at a time. They yeah, just they're 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 busy managing crews, managing deals. That's that's their that's their thing, right? That's what they're exactly. Into. And you know, trying to raise money for their next project kind of thing. They have no time to go talk to sellers. Right. Perfect. Yeah. So Let's look at a practical example of this. You're doing this in and around Calgary right now. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've spoken to a lot of wholesalers over the years. Most of them are Americans, though. So so price points and, and numbers are a little bit different. And just so people get an idea, is this something where you're making like 500 bucks or a thousand bucks per deal? Or is it significantly higher than that? It's, it can be significantly higher than that. Um, for the most part, on any given deal, I won't typically make less than $10,000. Right, um, yeah. And sometimes I know of people who have made upwards of $50,000 on a deal. Uh, those are on the the home run deals where it's, you know, yeah. an 18 plus. Yeah, that's, that, that's the, the unicorn type deal for sure. So just out of curiosity, Jared, because I actually, no, I never did do a wholesale deal like that before, but you know, the, with the creative type deals, how, how do you determine how much to charge your ultimate buyer? How does, how does that usually work out? Obviously it's negotiation, but there's gotta be a lot of skin left in the game for them to, you know, to chew on 
with this deal, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to, the amount that I'm going to ask for changes from deal to deal. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, if, if I got a property under contract, let's say I got a bungalow under contract with a $300,000 spread and the flipper is going to make $250,000. dollars mm-hmm. I want my cut for sure. Right? Yeah. If I can make $50,000 on a assignment fee and there's still $150,000 worth of meat on the bone afterwards, mm-hmm. flipper's going to pay that $50,000 all day long. Right. But that doesn't sound like that's the typical. Uh, that is not the typical. Um, yeah. For the most part, you're looking at maybe anywhere between a fifty dollars and $80,000 spread after I take my anywhere between ten dollars and $12,000 uh, wholesale fee, yeah. right? Is, as long as there's enough meat on the bone after I have been paid for the flipper. Yeah. That's what I, it's all about. Exactly. It's all a matter of numbers. They, they don't, if, if you, if you negotiate a smoking deal on a property and everybody's winning, then why would they, why would they care? Okay. So Jared, you're, you're doing this full time. What kind of um, marketing are you finding works best these days for, for generating motivated leads for you? So we we use a couple of different um, strategies. One of them is band assigns. Mm-hmm. So for, for people that aren't familiar with that, yeah, for people who aren't familiar with band assigns, it's it's you know you're driving a neighborhood, you see a big yellow sign on a light post. We buy houses and a phone number. Bandit sign right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back in the day when I was doing bandit signs, it was a little bit sketchy with legalities, right? So and then and then I hear all sorts of different things. So back in the day when I was doing them. I actually had them printed up at a sign shop and they're they're quite pretty bandit signs. There wasn't a lot of competition around there. A lot of the American folks that, that I, I chat with, they actually do really ugly ones that are hand done with a, a Sharpie pen and, and that sort of thing. What do you find works best? Yep. Really thick. I, I buy a really thick Sharpie, like one of those. Um, yeah. Wedgie ones, but it is super things. Yeah. And just write, we buy houses on it with our phone number, maybe throw a couple dollar signs on there to be a little fancy, but (laughs) a little fancy. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. And then, and then, so you put your phone number on there. Yeah. Are you not getting a slew of hate calls and, and how are you doing this without, without, crossing the line because Calgary is pretty persnickety. I think their bylaws are kind of persnickety. So how does that work for you, Jared? You know what? We, we do get a few calls where people are saying, you know, we're, we're making their neighborhood look bad or something like that. And yeah. For the most part, it's, it's, I'm so sorry. I'll take it down. And <laughs> then, I, go, and then yeah. I forget about it. <laughs> it's for bylaw. Yeah. You know what? It, no, I'm just laughing because you do. You have to develop a little bit of a thick skin if you're in this business, if you're putting it out there like that. But how about bylaws? Don't, what, what, what happens there? Honestly, I have, in the three years that I've been putting up bad at signs, Dave, I haven't gotten a single call. Wow. Um, that's awesome, man. Call. I they do go missing a lot, yeah. whether that's from vandals or or from bylaw. It's fine, but or competition I, or competition. Yeah. yeah, I did find one of mine just shredded up from somebody who like went and did some, but I have not received a single call from bylaw. Um, very interesting. Okay, very cool. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so bandit signs still work. Whereabouts are you putting these, and and what size are they? So, it it. it 
maybe a foot and a half by three feet. Okay. Um, so good size. Yeah. So it's, they're good size and I'm putting them in high traffic intersections for the most part. If I'm trying to, if I'm trying to what I like to call farm a neighborhood, mm-hmm. I'm going to research the neighborhood and find all the entrance and exit points in that neighborhood. Um, you want to have your signs at those points. Right. There's, there's no reason you don't need your bandit signs in the middle of the neighborhood because the people on the outskirts of the neighborhoods aren't going to see your, your sign. Right. right? It's just, hey, you about- don't have that much traffic in the midst of the neighborhood kind of thing. So, exactly. okay, cool. And uh, you know, back in the day when I was doing these, you know, I take a ladder and kind of climb up and, and attach them as fairly high up and that yeah. sort of thing. Or are you having to do that as well? No, no, it's just a couple zip ties, screwdriver through the through the center of it, and just at at okay. at head height, so that okay. you know it's really strategic how high you put it. Because if it's too high, drivers aren't going to see it. If it's right. too low, it's, it's easy pickings for bylaw. Yeah. Um, so if you put it high enough where it's eyesight with somebody in a vehicle, good enough. Perfect. All right. Thanks for those tips. That's yeah. That's wonderful to know that it's still working well. What. A- what else besides bandit sign are you finding working well these days? Uh, flyers absolutely okay. gets me a lot of traction. And there's a couple different options you have when you're doing flyers. You can use Canada Post. Uh, they're fairly expensive, but there are also uh, private companies that do flyer delivery as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually get ours delivered through the Calgary Herald. Yeah, newspaper. So yeah, we get we get all of our flyers delivered. Uh, with all of the subscribers of the Herald now. Well, this, well, in these days, is it, isn't that getting kind of skinny or you still got quite a few subscribers to the Herald, the local newspaper? Honestly, the people that are still reading the newspapers are older folks who are looking to downsize or they're just, they're getting pushed into a home by their children. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we find that there's a lot of, of opportunity with the newspaper crowd still. That is so interesting, Jared. Can I share an interesting story with you that you might want to rob and duplicate? <laughs> yes, please. So back in the day when I was doing this stuff, it was really newspapers were still a big thing all around. And I learned about this strategy, I think from Ron Legrand or somebody like that. But bottom line is you buy an ad in the newspaper and you make it look like a classified ad. So you're buying a display ad, but you have it structured. You have it created so it looks exactly like the classified ads in the paper. Okay. So you have it created like that. And then it's your, it's your basic, I buy houses, all cash, any condition, any location, blah, blah, blah. And then your phone number on there. But here's the trick. You take a, a thin Sharpie and by hand, you circle it in black ink. And right. then you put that ad in the newspaper in the classified section under houses for sale by owner. Yeah. Right. Or houses wanted, houses by for, for sale by owners best. Okay. So then when somebody opens up the newspaper and they're reading this, there's your ad already circled as if it was circled by hand. And here's a fun story I had from that, Jared. Yeah. Back in the day when I was doing this, I got a call from this lady and she said, it's a message from God. I said, excuse me? What, what do you mean? She yeah. said, 
I was so stressed out. I've got this house I inherited. I've got to get rid of it. I don't know what to do. And um, I was I was thinking about this, and I went to the to buy newspapers. This is back in the day when you put in your buck or whatever, and you pulled out. Right. And I never, I don't know why, I just never get the top newspaper. I always get the one that's in the middle of the pile. And I pulled this newspaper out, and and I went, and I was having a cup of coffee, and I opened up to the classifieds, and there was your ad. And by some miracle, somebody had already circled that ad, and I had to... <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> but hey man i got i got quite a few calls from yeah. those ads so you might experiment with that okay and here's the big tip from if i could remember my rusty memory from almost well, 20 years ago now um the the what you want to ask for with the newspaper to get the best pricing is run till cancel so you negotiate a deal with them where they just charge you a flat fee issue by issue. And you got to have them in all of, you know, it's not one week. Yes. One week. No, it's like every, every day, if it's a daily or every week, it's a week. It comes out like clockwork. And these days, Jared, you know, newspapers are getting such a shit kicking, you know, it's they, you should be able to get a really, really good price on that. Okay. All right. I got a new strategy. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I just never would have thought in a million years that yeah that newspapers are still working well, but it does make yeah. sense. It's that demographic. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then it's, it's, we get a lot of calls from that. So you got the bandit signs, yep. you got the flyers going out and you're yep. getting delivered by, by the newspaper. Are you doing kind of like the, you doing a full out flyer? Or are you doing like a handwritten, fake handwritten looking type thing? Or what, what do you find works the best these days? So we tried the handwritten one and mm -hmm. it wasn't getting any, any traction mm -hmm. uh, for whatever reason, which is bizarre um, because for the most part, those handwritten ones are the ones that get all the traction. Mm -hmm. But we decided to go with something a little bit more flashy, a little bit more okay. professional looking. Nice. Yeah. Um, and we're actually just sending those out for the first time coming up. So don't know what the conversion rate is going to be on those ones, but mm -hmm. it looks beautiful. It looks gorgeous. It's super flashy. Um, but we have multiple different flyers that we use. Okay. We also have another one that I don't have a example of it here, but it's, it's less flashy. It's just a white piece of paper with our logo, our phone number, and a couple of the different reasons listed why you might want to sell privately. Mm -hmm. Those are the flyers that we use when we are door knocking. Okay. Because we don't need our flyer to be flashy when we're door knocking mm -hmm. because we already have the homeowner's attention. You're, you're flashing them, so to exactly. speak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dave. <laughs> now we're getting the police that involved get, instead that, of violence. That gets their attention, right? There you go. <laughs> Um, so, so we don't need a, that flyer to be flashy. It's, Hey, my name is Jared. I'm, I'm a local investor and I noticed your house. Have you ever thought of selling? Have you, have you ever thought of selling recently? Uh, no, no, we're not. Okay. Well, that's fine. Here's my flyer. We do pay referrals. So if you know anybody who has ever thought of selling their house and don't want to pay anywhere upwards of $30,000 to a realtor to sell it. Here's my number. 
if they come from you and I close, I will pay you up to $5,000. Wow. That's enticing. Yeah. So that's, that's my script when I'm door knocking and, and that's why we don't need the flashy flyer. Exactly. Yeah. So do you get, do you, have you gotten a number of, or any deals from doing that referrals from mom and pop home buyers sending you people? Referrals? No, we haven't gotten any referral deals done yet. Um, but you've had some of them come back to you and say, I'm thinking about selling now. I have, I have had people come back and say, ah, you know what? You gave me your flyer like two years ago. Uh, We weren't selling then, but circumstances have changed. COVID happened. Mm -hmm. Um, Interest rates, like we locked into a 2.1% interest rate in 2017. Now we're up for renewal and we're up at 4.6%. And our mortgage payments have gone from $1,100 a month to $1,900 a month. Yeah. We just can't pay this. We can't afford this anymore. Mm. And you help us, right? Well, that was the other thing I wanted to ask you because way back at the beginning of our conversation, Jared, you're saying, well, sometimes people don't have any equity left in their house. So under those circumstances, how are you able to wholesale a deal if there's really not much equity in there? So typically what I'll do is what's called an agreement for sale. Um, so without getting too much into it, because yeah. I'm not one to teach what agreement for no, sale. Mr. Barry McGuire does a great job of that. That's for exactly. sure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so basically it's seller financing, right? Um, you know, I come up to them and say, okay, so you don't have any equity. Your house is worth less than what you paid for it. You're underwater a little bit. Here's what I'm willing to do for you. If you hold the mortgage and title for the remainder of your term, and even if you're able to renew at the end of your term, I'll take care of all the obligations for you. Then what I do is I go to a, another investor. Now, these, these deals are, are very finicky. Yeah, you can't, I can't just assign an agreement for sale, a seller financing deal to anybody. Right. They have to understand how it works. If they haven't received any formal training on what an agreement for sale is, I will not even consider them for assignment. Um, and, and that's so well. So okay, I get that. What are they typically doing with it? Are they turning around and doing a, a rent-to-own deal on these kind of properties, or or what are they doing? So for the most part, what they end up doing is they take the agreement for sale deal, and then they flip the house. And all of a sudden the seller's like, oh, I thought I was in this for five years, but three months later, their house is flipped and they're closed. Well, how are they, what are they doing to flip the house? Like they're fixing it right up and then turning around and selling it full yeah. retail. And they're still, still able, they're still able to bounce up the, the value enough to, to make a few bucks there. For the most part. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not buying houses at retail. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I make sure that my sellers know that I'm like, I need to make, I'm in this to make a profit. This is a business. I don't buy houses, whether it's seller financing or cash for charity. Right. So, so in other words, these houses actually probably do have some equity in them. It's just that the seller might not understand that or, or what? I mean, no. So let's say a seller bought their house for $300,000 in 2017 
Yeah. It's come down and, and they used, no, you know what? Let's use a different year. Let's say 2020. Yeah. Cause it's a little closer. And they used a 5% down CMHC first time homebuyers incentive. Mm-hmm. In the three years that they've owned that house, um, they haven't really paid off a lot. Right. Because they have such, they have that 5% only plus the fees, plus the insurance and all that kind of stuff. So if they bought a house for $300,000 with 5% down, but it's come down to say $285,000. Yeah. Hardly anything. Yeah. The, the, their, the, the value of their house has chased them mm-hmm. as they make their mortgage payments. Right. So if I come and say, okay, I will pay, I will buy your house for what you owe. And if they're in bad enough shape, mm-hmm. they'll say, yes, absolutely. I, I don't care if I don't make any money on the sale of my house. I just, I just don't want to pay the mortgage anymore. I just okay. want out. Yeah. So I'll say, okay, I'll buy your house for what you owe. So 285, I've done all my due diligence before I even make this offer. And the the after repaired value is, let's say, $400,000. Okay. So there, so it's a run, it's a, it's a fixer upper basically. It is a fixer upper. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. It's not yeah. like I'm going and buying a two-story 2011 yeah. build kind of thing. Right? Got it. Okay. So it's an older property. It's, yeah. it's run down. I got it. I got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't explain that very well. Yeah. No, like the, 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 the sellers that I'm going to are the ones who bought the houses with the intention of fixing it up themselves. I see. Yeah. There we go. Okay. And then, and then they're like me and they realize they're about as handy as a foot and that ain't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, All right. So then there is, there is some there, but these are yeah. probably a little bit skinnier deals than I would they imagine. Are. Yeah, they absolutely are. They absolutely yeah. are. And it, it's, it's, it's very difficult to assign a. Yeah. So you, these aren't the ones you're trying to get. This is just if if it's not that difficult to do, you'll you'll move forward with it. That's right. And typically, if I am able to get a property under contract for agreement for sale, I'll probably end up just taking it myself and doing the flip myself. Okay. Very yeah. cool. Very yeah. cool. Jared, time flies when we're having fun, my friend. This has been a, this has been a blast. Always love talking uh, marketing with active real estate investors. It takes me back to the days when when I was looking for motivated sellers myself. So thanks for sharing what's working now. Congratulations for, you know, getting out of that deep, dark place where you were a few years ago and, and get giving yourself a clean start and then jumping into something brand new and just rocking and rolling with it. I absolutely love these kind of examples of, of people picking themselves up by their bootstraps and and charging full steam ahead. So keep up the good work, my friend. And if people want to find out more and connect with you, what can they do? Where can they go? Uh, Facebook, just Jared Como, And on Instagram, it's at Jared P. Como. Very Easy good. Enough. What's that? Easy enough. Easy enough. enough. All right, Jared. Thanks so much, my friend. And everybody, thanks for tuning in this episode. We'll see you on the next one.